0: Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey, what's up, Isaac? What's up, Jameson? It's going great. Glad to be here. And we're back with episode 18, this time coming out on Wednesdays we like to listen to the people and we want to give you an episode and a podcast that you like. So we saw the listens on Friday. We thought they could change a little bit. So we decided to release episodes now on Wednesday. Let us know what you think. As always, our inboxes are always open, but first to let us know something. Yeah. Uh, Friday has come up
1: and Friday means free fabric, free fabric Fridays. Um, and if any of you listeners want to go win some free fabric, you can check out our social media and see what you have to do to get that. It might be like a tongue twister or something.
0: That's right. Free yeah. Fabric Fridays.
1: Free Fabric Friday. <laughs> Say record yourself saying it ten times fast. Fifteen times fast if we're
0: if you're even more lucky. So on today's episode, we're talking with Gavin McWilliams. He's the Go- global product manager at Samson Rope. He's been there for just over three years, as well as having a lot of experience in other textiles and technical applications. He's going to give us a little bit more info on Amsteel, as well as other Samson Ropes. And ultimately, we're just going to have a fun conversation about some technical stuff, kind of nerding out as we do. So uh, let's head to the episode. This is Ripstop on the record. All right, Gavin, thanks for joining us today. And just as a starter for everybody listening, what do you do for Samson Ropes?
2: Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me. Um, So basically what I do uh, is I develop the communications and uh, and product strategy for at least the markets that I look over, which is about half of the business. So uh, looking at arborist, uh, like fishing, utility, mining, sailing, some of our specialty markets like bowstring. Um, Stuff like that. So it's basically laying out like a product roadmap uh, for the next couple of years, figuring out or at least moving it through the pipeline through engineering, design, R&D, and then developing kind of our, well, our communication strategy, exactly who our end user is, um, how to communicate to them, how to reach them, whether that's through digital, social media, print advertising, um, going to shows, uh, using third party advocates on social media, stuff like that. So it's kind of the whole game. Um, the good thing about the role too uh, is that uh, I kind of get to make it what what works out best. We we kind of have a, a bit of a, a skinny crew um, and I have a background in international business. So one of the things like before COVID took place, I knew that we had big opportunities overseas. Like primarily right now, we're kind of a North American uh, based company, um, but I know that we have customers who are, clamoring for samson rope in europe and we have some good customers there but i know there's more Um, i know we have some customers clamming for for samson rope over in japan so uh, pre-covid i did uh the big uh european tour through amsterdam germany the uk and then i went over to asia where i've uh i've lived for several years in the past through hong kong taiwan korea and japan um set up some new accounts found some new opportunities and yeah. It's a, uh, not it's a good gig. I'm really enjoying it.
1: That sounds awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so Gavin, could you tell me a little bit about the the background and kind of the history of Samson Root? Like where, where it got started, who it got started
2: for all that. Yeah. Um, So in 1878, uh, a guy named JP Tolman, he was actually, uh, a member of the first graduating class of MIT, uh, founded, um, yeah, it was real interesting. So founded a company, um, up in Boston, uh, and he made the first braided rope with a reinforced core. So, um, so that's, you know, 143 years ago or something. We actually still sell that same, uh, rope today. Uh, we just call it, we just call it like general cordage, um. But since then, you know, we've made lots of advancements in innovation, in technology. We introduced the first uh, double braided rope uh, in in 1957. Um, And basically what that is like, you know, when you take your shoelaces and you like twist them together or you braid them together, um, a double braided rope means you've got a braided core and then you have a braided cover. Um, And those will change in function between sometimes the core will be the weight loading me- or the, the weight bearing member and the jacket is just like abrasion resistance, or sometimes uh, they'll share the load, something like that. Um, so yeah, it always depends. Um, and so in 1957, we introduced the first double braided rope. So that was super interesting. Uh, in the 1980s, we introduced the first uh, HMP Europe. So it's high modulus poly- polyethylene. Um, I think the best way to, to understand that is like, um, you know how Dupont introduced Teflon, and Teflon mm-hmm. is you know the the covering that um, that helps nonstick pans. So basically, yeah. what that is is we take a, a coating on the the on a fiber, and then we twist it together to rope, and that makes essentially like a steel wire replacement for rope. So you know, okay. super, super high tech stuff. Um, it's about four times the strength of the regular like nylon or poly- uh, polyester about a tenth of the weight um yeah and that's kind of what we specialize in we work across um, a whole bunch of different markets aside from the ones that i mentioned already we also do mooring and tugboat and lots of like big shipping lines and um, we've helped nasa out uh, with some of their space shuttle programs in the 70s Um, yeah, it's it's quite interesting. And I think, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with the, the logo that we have, uh, that was Samson uh, battling the lion. Yeah. That is the longest continuous, uh, the longest logo that's in continuous use in all of the United States. Wow. Yeah, so that's
1: also kind of interesting. <laughs> that's impressive. Can, can you tell us a little background on the logo?
2: Oh, uh, not a lot. I mean, Samson—the uh, name comes from the Bible, and I, I think the idea, uh, if I if I remember my my Bible schooling properly, is just <laughs> Samson was strong enough to 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 beat the lion, and I and so when they designed that, it was it's just based on that. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. That's really cool.
0: That's fascinating. Um, first of all, I did not know that Samson Ropes had a history like that, uh, but then also I didn't know that you dabbled in so many different uh, industries. I'm, I'm fairly familiar with climbing. So I'm used to names like Sterling and new England and whatnot, but I only, mm-hmm. I only was made aware of Samson when I came to Rips by the roll and, and saw Amstel for the first time. Do you have something that you specialize in or are those areas that you really are specialists in all of those, uh, in all those industries?
2: We're specialists in all of those industries. Um, so the good thing we've got, I think uh, probably our, our, our best core competency is our engineers, for example. And what I mean by that is they are all some of they're some of the smartest people I've met, and they all know the application and usage in each one of those markets so well. I can easily say that we're an expert in each one of those markets. I mean, and then aside for the aside from that, um, we've got a sales crew that services each one of those markets. So I think we can service them top to bottom. So from a brand, I would say we are experts in each one of those markets. You know, granted sometimes people will come to us and say like, Hey, we need this for that. And I'll be like, I have no idea what they're talking <laughs> about, but, but like, I know they need to have a rope that, that weighs, or that, that can, you know, that can take this much, um, or that is this strong and this diameter and has this feel to it and we'll make it for them. So sometimes, so for the, our primary markets, uh, and, and it's split up pretty evenly. Um, there's that. And then of course there's the stuff like I have no idea what they want, but we'll make it for them. <laughs> <laughs> so Gavin
1: are most of the Samsung products made in the U S or, or do you have global manufacturing or tell me a little bit about your manufacturing process.
2: Yeah, sure. So we—I'd say about ninety-five percent or so of, of what we make is made in the U.S. Our primary okay. facility is up here in Ferndale, uh, which is about an hour and a half north of Seattle. Um, if you haven't—I'll um, have, I'll be the, the top of the tourist board right now. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a great place to live. There's um, there's snow. that's an hour and a half away. There's uh, there's we're right on the ocean, or at least Puget Sound, and uh, there's incredible mountain biking. So already we are a, a, a big, uh, a big attraction for uh, for a local label labor force, but, uh, the largest okay. manufacturing facility is, is up here. We have a secondary one down in Lafayette, Louisiana that does a lot of our larger braid stuff for like for shipping and mooring. Um, we do import some of our, our product that we, that it doesn't require as much technology. So some of the nylon, um, uh, like, uh, um, Dock and Anchor line, we'll get them from China. Okay. Sometimes the customer just needs, well, kind of back to the uh, the Teflon analogy. Sometimes you don't need to have the best, uh, you know, yeah. nonstick yeah. pan. You just need a nonstick pan. So wow. we'll import that from someplace, uh, but it depends on, uh, yeah, it depends. But I'd say 95% of our, uh, our products are made in the U.S. So. Fascinating.
0: Yeah, that is I've heard nothing but amazing things about the Northwest
2: and about recreation up there. <laughs> cool, yeah. Actually, my my sport is um is like a Hawaiian style canoeing, um, where uh, uh, and so I've got a, a especially around COVID, we have like a I've been uh, on one man boats with, with my crew, and this is probably the second best place in the U.S. to go surfing. So we get a good wind and uh, we drop it in, in one place and just surf for about an hour and a half and you're good to go. It's a, yeah, it's a good spot. It, that sounds like a pretty big bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if, uh, and if the winds are down, you just go mountain biking and get lost for a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> shoot. Well, I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah. I need to do that, but.
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No problem. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge canoeist myself. Um oh, yeah? but mainly flat water. So I'm going to have to look into that. I've never heard of that.
2: No, yeah, actually, that's great. There's a big race up here, too, uh, called Ski to Sea. And I missed the last couple of years, of course. Uh, yeah. But there's the, a big canoe leg that happens in uh, in one of the larger rivers. And I, I'd done so much, like, open ocean canoeing. This was my first time, and I decided to race it. So I'm in the back. I'm trying to steer. I'm trying not to flip over. And, of course, we flip over and <laughs> all that sort of thing. But flat water canoeing was was a, was a jam. It was really fun. That's cool.
0: Now, tie this how these ends up for us, how did you end up at Samson? You're, you're obviously a, a recreational person with the, your activities that you like to do, but what drew you to coming to work for something, especially as uh, maybe difficult at times in you in terms of rope and cord technology as Samson, how'd you end up there?
2: Yeah. So a uh, long, long story there. Um, so my background is uh, so I'm from Portland originally. And as you guys know, that's the home of Nike and, uh, North American office for Adidas and a whole bunch of other places too. So I was essentially born into uh, footwear and apparel uh, uh, on the sports side. Um, I, from there, uh, I worked for some of those companies that I mentioned, and there were additional opportunities uh, in Asia to work for some of those companies. So I lived in Asia for about 14 years in Tokyo, Shanghai, and Hong Kong, um, all in the sports industry. Uh, when I came back here, I, um, I moved north towards Seattle for a few other opportunities for family things. Um, and I uh, had a really good mentor at one of my companies who went to be president of Samson. And um, one day she gave me a call to manage a business unit. And um, my pre- aside from sports, my educational background is, uh, is marketing primarily. And they needed to have somebody to kind of look over the consumer side of things. So she gave me a call. And I decided to come up. So that's, that's the game. Awesome.
0: So we polled the users for a lot of different questions. Um, just seeing as Samson is one of our most popular products here or the, the Amp steel. Um, cool. But a lot of people get confused. We carry two Samson products or at least two primary ones, Zing it and then Amsteel. steel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, our friend Carter reminds me frequently if I get those mixed up. He's like, that's not Amsteel, that's Zingit or vice versa. Uh-huh. And you tell us or break that out a little bit more. What is the main difference between Zingit and Amsteel?
2: Yeah, so I think the first one is size. So Zingit only comes in like 1.75 mil and 2.2 mil um amso blue starts at two and a half mil so just a little bit bigger than that and goes all the way up to six and a half inches um based on wow, the kind of fiber and <laughs> yeah and that's for the big mooring one so like when you're yeah the really really big mooring boats. um so and it but also based on the type of, of fiber we're using for amso blue it's up to it's more than two times the strength so for an example as an example the breaking strength of the two point two millimeter zingit is about almost three hundred pounds, but the two and a half mil, so just a little bit over that, is, for Amstel blue is six hundred and fifty pounds. So that's mm. again more than more than twice. So do you guys want to take a guess at what the breaking strength is for the six and a half uh, inch uh, Amstel blue? <laughs> no, go ahead. Just take a guess. Add a lot of zeros, but take a guess.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, Jameson, what's your guess?
2: Um.
0: I mean, I'm thinking of like the, the Amsteel, that one's like 20 or 2000. So then like the one I'm looking at, whatever the size that is. So we got to do a lot of math there. Let's just go in. There's
2: a lot of math. That's the thing. That, that's one of the things. There's a lot of math and that's not my strong suit. So yeah, yeah.
0: that makes, that makes two of us. So I'm just going to do a, a really bad calculation of uh, 15,000 pounds.
2: That's pretty good. Six and a half inches of AMSA blue is 4.2 million pounds of breaking strength. Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. So, so, so from a construction standpoint, they're almost exactly the same, but the big one is size. I see. Gotcha.
1: Wow. Um, Yeah. So that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, So going off that a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about the types of, of fibers that you use for the, the Amsteel Blue and Zingint? Um, yeah. Do you use like Dyneema branded
2: fibers or are they generic? We'll molecular weight polyethylene. Yeah, sure. These are all uh, Dyneema fibers. Um, we okay. use Dyneema in, in our, our top end, our, our premium products. We are Dyneema's largest consumer in North America. So we, work, we consider them a partner. We work really, really closely with them. Um, we are, have started in the last, I don't know, three or four years to move into a, some more generic HMP um, fibers again, kind of back to the, back to the Teflon. Not everyone needs to have Teflon. You just, I just need to make sure my, my omelet's not going to stick. Right, I don't care right. how long it's going <laughs> to last. So for those customers who just like, they just need something that's going to work real quick um, you know, we'll, we'll get it. We'll, we'll work on some of that, but I would say just, you know, some in the air, 85 to 90% of what we, of the high tech stuff that we make is, is Dyneema. Okay. And, and within Dyneema, there are several grades. There's, um, you know, there's kind of like a good, better, best. And then there's like a super best. So they actually they just came out with something called uh, DM20. You guys know like, um, at, uh, major league baseball stadiums, the nets when they hang the long nets. So we supply yeah. those as well, but there's, um, there's a, uh, there's a characteristic called creep. So when something is hang as hung for a long period of time under tension, um, but does, it doesn't have like active load on it. Well, it's not the right way to do it. It does. It's not like pulled all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when it starts to sag in the middle of it, that's called creep, um, DM20 is a new fiber that we make in, that we turn into a product called Everstill X that has zero creep. So you can hang those MLB nets, and yeah. it's like I don't know, like, I'm gonna, we're going to go back to the 4.6 million pounds. Like I have no idea how much <laughs> these these weigh. Um, yeah. You can hang those over an extended period of time, and there is virtually zero creep. So wow. they make some really good product, and we we put that in our premium
1: offering. And so that's still a UHMWPE fiber, it's just at a higher grade, or correct? Well, let's, yes, okay, gotcha, yeah.
0: That brings up a really interesting point for me as well. That I've heard because we talked with uh people from DSM last fall and they mentioned those nets at, at MLB games. Hmm. Um, but what other applications to your cords do you have? Because I wouldn't have thought of netting, it obviously makes a ton of sense, but I would have thought about that in a different scope. What other ways do you see uh, cordage or rope being used? Like kind of like that netting example.
2: Wow. To be honest, here's the crazy thing about rope. You don't think about it until something goes wrong. <laughs> 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 They're like, I mean, I think you could walk down the street and you could see like a whole bunch of different applications and not even think about it. So um, just kind of sticking with sports for a second, you know, the flyby cameras that they use in, uh, in NFL stadiums. Yeah. Um, no. the, the, we use, actually, I'm not sh- exactly sure which fiber, um, but we use uh, Dyneema fiber for the ropes that hang those cameras and they won't break. Um, yeah, there are like a million different uses. There's winch lines. Um, so here's actually one of the things that I was most surprised with. So you know, like on the on the power lines, um, they they use our product for stringing lines. And essentially, what that does is you have to uh, essentially clamp one of our ropes to the end of a power line and string it up through the power poles and like pull it through. I'm motioning with my hands. I know you guys can't see that. <laughs> um, um, it's kind of like a pulley because you can't actually pull the power line through because it's a live wire. Sure. So that's another option. Um, again, lots of fishing, op- uh, fishing applications, um, kind of a preview down the road. Um, I would really love to get some high modulus stuff into the arborist industry. Um, Tree care, mm-hmm. in particular, is something um, I've grown to be really excited about, yeah. and I think, um, and the reason for that is like the consumers are so excited about what they do. Um, this kind of harkens back to my sports background. Like, um, you know, I love running, I love playing basketball, so it was always fun to work with that consumer and those and those distributors. It's fun to work with these guys who climb trees for a living because they love mm-hmm. it. Um, so you're always thinking of like, how can you make their lives better? And so I'm trying really hard to try to introduce this, this higher tech uh, uh, fiber into that market. The problem is it's too strong and it's not stretchy enough. Mm-hmm. So, like, like it's, so it, it's not like dynamic climbing rope where you need something that's stretchy and it's going to catch you and absorb a lot of shock. Um, but it's something else. So you know, we're always thinking. We're always trying to, to 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 push the envelope into the next grade. I mean, this is it's kind of part of our history, and um, yeah, we'll keep going. I mean, and even talking about climbing lines for a second. Um, Again, back to my, my, uh, my background of sports. When I first joined Samson, that was one of the things I wanted to do more than anything. Aside from an, a market that would make the consumer excited about the brand, internally, you get like really jazzed if you're making something that's good for the, your, you know, the, the end consumer, something something's excited about. So I did a ton of research. Like I know we had the capability to make a really, really good rope. Like I said, we have some of the best, most dedicated engineers on the planet. Like, I, I guarantee it. Um, so I went to an uh, outdoor retailer show for a couple of years. I met with a lot of people. Uh, went to a few sites. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to, like, to Smith Rock in, uh, in Oregon. Um, really, really great spot. Under all weather conditions, people are climbing. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, what I realized is that there are so many – already really good established brands. There's Edelwood, there's Mahmood, there's Blue Water. Um, and it would have cost us a lot of money to try to pull consumers away from these brands that they already love and trust. Oh. And even though we make, uh, like I said, I'm confident that we'd make a really good rope. It would take a lot of re- like engineering resources, marketing resources to get to that point. I mean, I'll, I'll keep, talking about it internally and all that sort of thing, but we just weren't quite ready to make that move yet. We've got other yep. markets that are, that are doing for doing pretty well for us already. And uh, I know someone would have, uh, I would have gotten in trouble somewhere from for using too many engineers to make a fun <laughs>
1: <job>. <laughs> So what is it about um, Dyneema fibers that I, I guess, so Dyneema fibers does not have much stretch, correct? Correct. So that, in my mind, I can see where that wouldn't lend itself really well to a dynamic climbing rope, like you said, because you, you need that shock absorbance. Yeah. Are there any other fibers that, that you work with that might, you know, that aren't necessarily like the typical fiber uh, for that application that, you know, that might have better qualities for that?
2: Well, better quality. We would still use like nylon and polyester. Like, okay. like we make really good, like static is a well in comparison static climbing rope we already make some really really good stuff but just in terms of dynamic uh, in terms of dynamic we would probably use a good mixture of polyester and and nylon that would come up with a like a really good solution but I think just like say I mean like like which guy what what ropes do you use Jameson Jameson you're climbing right is that what you said
0: yeah I so let's see I have used a a Got a New England uh, thick 10 millimeter double dry polyester. Uh
2: Yeah. And you probably love that thing. Your life has been, you know, supported by it to pull you away from that would take a lot. I mean, and I try and and I, and I believe that like, like I've got stuff that I use that I would never use anything else my canoe I'm not going to buy like another whatever brand I mean <laughs> like you you love the stuff that you love and I think it yeah. would take a lot to pull away from that so I totally get it
0: So sticking with the fiber or the mm-hmm. the construction of these cords and ropes <clears throat> what is the what is a samthane coating
2: <laughs> can you Oh yeah <laughs> It's actually really easy. It's um, it's just a polyethylene or polyurethane uh, uh, proprietary polyethylene coating or polyurethane coating um, that we put over coat over rotes, uh to improve uh, abrasion and occasionally it'll have pigment. So like what we'll do is that there'll be most of the nylon and polyester that comes through as just like a natural color or a natural fiber color. And we'll put like a blue or a pink or, a, or red or something in the same thing coating just to give it that color. I see, okay. but it's primarily for abrasion resistance. I see, yeah.
0: Now, is that similar in? Is that why amp steel is good for extended underwater underwater use, or what? What lends that itself to that uh,
2: the corrosion resistance that amp steel has? Oh, just because um, so like synthetic fibers just won't corrode, like okay. nylons, polyesters, whatever, all that stuff. That's what one of the reasons that it's really really good. So super lightweight, super strong, won't corrode. Exactly, yeah.
0: Hmm. fascinating now I, i'm jumping backwards a little bit here but it just yeah. came to mind we talked about the six and a half inch uh i don't even know if you can call that a rope or cord i don't know what that's called <laughs> <laughs> the, that you know uh organism of <laughs> what is what's the opposite of that what is the smallest thing that that samson has
2: <laughs> i think actually is zing it oh actually that's not true we make uh bowstring. That is that we don't even measure. That. Yeah, we don't even me- we don't even measure that in diameter. We measure that in denier. So it's essentially like, like how heavy is it <laughs> instead of how what the how like how big it is. So yeah, so we make bowstring. Um, we don't sell it as a Samson product. We supply the largest bowstring producer in North America, and they twist it. They we twist it. We send it to them and they'll code it and get it and sell it. And they, they put it on spools and sell it as bowstring. That's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. And I've been over to their, uh, to their shop. Uh, they've got a bow and arrow and the target set in the back. I swear on my mom. My first shot was a bullseye. I don't know if it's rigged. <laughs> uh, I couldn't hit anything after that. Like, you know, it's, it's literally beginner's luck.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, I do a lot of, traditional archery um oh cool I I love bow hunting and all that kind of stuff so that when you mentioned that earlier on I was definitely going to come back to that and uh get some more information
2: (laughs) cool (laughs) nice yeah and I guess crossbows are a thing it just makes me think of (laughs) Chewbacca
1: yep okay so um we've talked about the bow strings talked about the six and a half inch diameter rope uh, what are some of what are some of your favorite applications uh, that you've seen made with or just that you've seen Samson Rope used for?
2: That is a great question. So, I'll kind of back up a little bit. Um, here's the thing that trips me out about rope every day is that it is like a moving living organism, and it always changes. You can yeah. change like a braid angle, you can change like a core that it's supposed to work with and it behaves and acts differently. It's amazing. Um, so for example, if you wanna put, uh, if you wanna color a climbing rope, uh, if you wanna color, color uh, the core of a climbing rope red, well, you can't just color it red. You have to make sure that the cover and the, or the jacket is going to work with the newly Coated core to make sure they interact properly and in the way they're supposed to. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing. So we make a static line called Mercury that we were, um, that was really good for rescue and access applications. We changed the braider angle. No, no, no. We loosened the bobbins on the manufacturing machine. And just by doing that a tiny bit, it slackened the pick angles, and it became this like entirely new thing. So it could still do what it was supposed to do. An 11 millimeter uh, rope has about 8,600 8, pounds of breaking strength, but it suddenly became this like non-rigid rope and it became this like nice thing to handle that is working really well back in arborist applications. They used it as single rope technique, climbing, uh, climbing line, um, Yeah, it's just like how it behaves under all types of different circumstances. And that amazes me every day.
1: Is that the Mercury CE that you're talking about? That is correct. Awesome.
2: Yeah, actually I colored that rope when, when I got in. So one of the things I used to do when I was living in Shanghai to trend either silhouettes or prints that I was, is I would go over to Tokyo and trend. So basically you walk around Harajuku and all the cool places, see what the kids are wearing, see what the colors are are, are doing. Yeah. Um, and so I did essentially the same type of program with this. I went to a few Arbor shows, kind of looked at, see, saw what everybody was wearing. And, and most of the things... Like three or four years ago or so kids were walking around in like orange camo so that whole that rope uh is based off of like the orange camouflage that all these oh. younger arborists were wearing so yeah that's really cool this is this is so fascinating
0: i love getting this inside look gavin so, Oh, uh, there's so many places we can go um but first Another user question. What is something that we can look forward to? Or what are you able to tell us about potential new products or new things that might tweak the interest of, of makers and DIYers?
2: Oh, that is a great question. Um, I don't have too much I can share. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, will, I will simply say that we continue to reach out to all our consumers to see what they're looking for. We always encourage people to reach out to us, to tell us what they need, um, and just kind of to keep your eyes in that digital space to see what we're coming up with. Um, There's always something going on. That's really cool.
1: What's, uh, What's the best place to follow along
2: with that? Like social media or on your website? Oh yeah. Well, website for sure. That has a comprehensive view of everything, but okay. I make um, an active um, effort to put everything that's new or sometimes things that are upcoming kind of like previews uh, on our Instagram page. So at Samson rope.
0: So we are doing some other research. Obviously we are used to the Amsteel, but we are very intrigued by some of these other ones. Um, specifically the bio-sourced ropes it's obviously a big push for a lot of great reasons but for instance we have a couple of eco fabrics here that are um, made from recycled wall, uh, water bottles what does what does that construction process look for a rope obviously the fabric for instance ours uh, one of them is a uh, sill poly i believe obviously you want a tarp to work but a rope generally can have that you know that life altering side of it how do you <laughs> how do you create a rope that's bio-sourced
2: Yeah. So in this case, it's actually really good. So, so the product itself isn't changing. So uh, the, uh, the simile I would give to this is just like electricity in your home. You, it's the same electricity, but instead of like being made by burning coal, it's being made by wind or something like that. So in this case, um, the, uh, the Amstel is exactly a hundred percent the same but how it's made is changing. So instead of relying on fossil-based fuels, um, instead we're using, or at least DSM, the, uh, the company that makes Dyneema and supplies to us, is using tree scrap and tree pulp in their manufacturing process. So that's what's changing. And, and through that, um, we're working with them to reinvest back into the process to make sure that it continues to be sustainable um, we're planting millions and millions of trees with them every single year. Uh, and the goal is to switch over to using only sustainable feedstock by 2035. Interesting. Yeah. And so we're really excited about this. For Samson, um, on its own, we have our own uh, corporate initiatives in terms of sustainability. And this, um, this knocks in really, really well with that. So we're very, very proud to have to be able to offer this.
0: I'm sure that's incredibly comforting for a lot of people too, because like we just said, it it can be scary to think about the construction being totally different or the very thing that gives it its uh, its attributes changing, but those aren't altering at all.
2: You're just using a cleaner process, right? Exactly. And that's totally true. So for example, I mean, if you walked into any one of our distributors or walked into our factories, you've got it right now. It's all about kind of like we're going backwards to help the uh, DSM, the the Dynema company, invest in 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 that process. So we're we're partnering with them for sure.
1: Gotcha,
2: gotcha. So and I've... then the next step. Oh, sorry. The next step after that is trying to figure out an end of life recycling plan. I know that some of the ropes uh, that are are used post use are mixed into to create soccer fields and things like that. Um, we try to send some of our ropes back to Other places, just for you know, uh, for other use. But we are actively working on a plan to have a full circle of recyclability.
0: I love that. That was my next question. I'm like, you don't, you know, there's a ton of climbers have loads of of old ropes. You can't do anything with them, right? But you don't really want to get rid of them either.
2: (laughs) I know. Yeah. In fact, I was just talking to um, another one of our, our customers, and we even. Um, throughout the idea of possibly using like a deposit plan, you know, like if you put five cents on a, on a can of soda or something like that, like maybe we'll even, you know, work on some kind of deposit system. Hey, sometimes you go back and collect it. Here's my old rope. And sometimes (laughs) you don't.
1: (laughs) I mean, we'll see. I love that. That would be, that would be really cool. Yeah. It'd be fun. So what, what is the lifespan of, you know, uh, Amsteel Blue or any of these other like, arborist ropes or mooring ropes?
2: Oh yeah. It really depends. I mean, some of these things can last for 10 years. Um, wow. If they're, if they're shock loaded past their peak um, oftentimes they will not break, but they've been seriously compromised. Gotcha. But you, the, that's the problem. You can never really tell. I mean, somebody hands you a hank rope. You don't know if somebody's spiked on it. You don't know if somebody's right. Like right. half fallen out <laughs> of a tree. So yeah. I mean like, like under normal conditions, like forever. But you never really know what someone has done with rope before you get your hands on
0: it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So my my science background is is probably similar to my math background, where uh, you know it's going to (laughs) be subpar. Could you touch on a little bit more about what it is about the UHMWPE fiber makeup that is hard? to incorporate that into a dynamic rope because I think about those two things and I'm like wow this is Mm. the perfect match you know if you take again dynamic rope often is most closely related to climbing and there are other other applications but if you take a big fall you're not going to get to any of those before you have to get a new rope (laughs) and the UHMW the the strength of that is really intriguing because you could take more falls you could be more safe you can just be more confident in that but why can't we
2: why can't you merge those two? It's purely that stretch pack factor. So what happens um, when you've got a nylon rope and say you fell from a hundred feet when, if you fall that the nylon rope is going to take, so let's see, what's the, I don't know the math specifically. Um, If you are jumping, you're going to generate up to, let's say you're generating up to 20 times your body weight in force. Um, The nylon is going to absorb a it's going to absorb more of that than the HMPE rope that won't absorb any of that. And where all that shock will then go to your body and break your spine. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so not that's ideal. The, yeah. That's the major problem we're facing. And that's why I like, like I really want to bring that stuff in. Like it would yeah. be so good. I just got to find like the right mix and the right use. We've even worked on stuff like blending polyester and HMPE. Cause I want to give that strength. Cause imagine right. too, If you're climbing up a a wall and you've got, and you've got a super strong rope, it ha it can, it only needs to be half the size or less to maintain (laughs) the right strength. I mean, that means you're carrying less weight. That means you can climb longer Yeah, and you just, it's like, it's just not stretchy enough. So yeah, it's tough one.
0: That's, that's a really fun. uh, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's frustrating for those that are that are doing the real work to make it happen. But that's really exciting because it's kind of one of those things that feels like we're still not in the future yet. <laughs> you know, like that is so optimistic to think that in the future, we could be lead climbing on an eight millimeter, six millimeter rope without taking yeah, would, a lot of compromise.
2: <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be cool? And I'll tell you something, uh, we do have um, a uh, uh, an innovations uh, engineer and they're working on it we're not, we're not there yet. Sure. Somebody, somebody's working on it.
0: That's awesome. That is so (laughs) cool Cool to know. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. Uh, Gavin, this has been so fascinating just to pick your brain. Thank you for spending a bit of time with us. Um, We're wrapping up on the questions we've touched on pretty much all the ones that we can have. And then Isaac have just been uh, we've just been going off of what what we've been thinking. Isaac, do you have any other questions? I do have one more question for you. So it's
1: a little more of a uh, like, Technical related question, but when you're doing um, like tensile strength testing for your ropes, um, the ropes that have a a jacket, um, do you base the breaking strength off of when the jacket breaks or when the core breaks?
2: Great question. So whatever the rope is designed to do, that's the baseline. So if okay. they're if they're built to share the load, we'll wait until they both break. Gotcha. Um, or it, or you know or even uh, yeah, even if, if one breaks and the rope is no longer viable, that's the baseline. So here's the difference too, that we'll break our ropes up to 40 times to get that average break strength. So we yeah. won't break it just once. So, go, yep, we're good. We'll do, like I've seen these graphs of, uh, of lab tests that we've done and our laboratory is phenomenal. You walk, there's these long splicing benches. We've got this enormous SATEC break, she- break machine. My favorite thing is the drop tower. <laughs> it's super cool. I mean, you have somebody go up there and you put place like X amount of weight, 50 pounds, hundred pounds, and you just drop it. It's <laughs> super cool. Um, great. Yeah, so those are, so, that's ba- so the braking is based on what, however the rope is built or what it's built to sustain. And then we, we, we test it 40 times before we set a spec on it. Okay.
1: Very interesting.
2: Thank you for answering that. Yeah, no problem. Happy to happy to answer anything else too.
0: Well, you haven't invited us, but we're we're totally there. This is right up our alley. <laughs> I uh, what Isaac and Carter and and what we all like to do here is just see what we can see what we can test and and see what happens. So you're speaking our language.
2: <laughs> Great. No, you guys are a hundred percent. When everything opens up, I absolutely invited to come over. The lab is awesome manufacturing facility is awesome. Um the whole thing is pretty exciting. Um yeah, I really like it. That's
0: fantastic. Well Gavin, it's been absolutely incredible talking to you. Thank you for sharing this knowledge. Thank you for spending some time with us. Um, the makers and DIYers, I'm sure will will love it and appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else that you can share? We'll make sure to link the Instagram so that people can follow Samson there. Um, but yeah, is there anything else that you want to let the people of Ripstop Mother Roll know uh, from Samson?
2: No, nothing. That's sounds, no, everything sounds great. Thanks for the questions, you guys.
0: Awesome. Thank no you no for problem. answering all of them. Yeah. Well, Gavin, have a great day. Uh, we'll be in touch again. We, we love working with AM Steel. It's a huge, like I said, it's one of our uh, big products of ours. So we will continue to be in touch with you guys. And as always, just thanks again. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Awesome. Until next time. Thanks, Gavin. Bye-bye. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks.